It is certainly good to see each of you this morning. Glad you're able to be here, especially if you haven't been able to be with us for a while, returning back with us. We're glad that Sister Nellie and Brother Tom are back with us today from their journeys. If you will, open your Bibles to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. We're going to notice verses 13 through 15. Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. I can recall <clears throat> I'm not sure if it was last spring or maybe the, the spring before that while we were living in Memphis. Our young people each year would have a spring formal, kind of an kind of a prom alternative. And they would get all dressed up and they would meet at the church building and, and prepare to head out for the evening. And their first stop was always over at Sister Jewel Sisson's. They would stop by and get their pictures made with her at her house. And that was a long-standing tradition. Then they would go downtown and they would go somewhere and eat or they would uh, walk around the downtown area or do certain things and just be young people and enjoy themselves with each other and the chaperones that were with them. You know, as we grow older, we sometimes get away from that, don't we? We get caught up in what we know as life, and we begin to pay bills, and we begin to rear children, and we begin to work on a regular basis instead of just when we feel like it. And we kind of forget about those times when, when we were younger. And we overlook some of the things that we ought to be paying attention to as we get older. You know, it is hard to be a young person in this world, isn't it? It's difficult at times. It's difficult to live in a world in which we live and be exposed to the things with which we are exposed. And as we grow into adulthood, we kind of forget how wonderful our youth really was. How much freedom that we, we really had. How much time that we had on our hands. I can think back over... Uh, the years, and, and I think before I ever had children, what in the world did I do with all the time I had on my hands? I didn't think I had any time. Boy, I had a lot of it. We forget those things. And at the same time, our young people, even though they may in some way understand it, we need for them to be able to understand better exactly how great these years are, right? Teenage years, young adulthood, prior to getting married and having a, having a family. Not that that's a bad thing. That's not what I intend. But you just, you're, you're growing into what you're going to become. And it's a learning process. And, and we go through experiences in our lives that will stick with us until the day that we die. It's hard to keep that at the forefront of our minds, isn't it? Most young people do not understand that the 
The responsibilities that come with life are really so far into the mindset of a young person. Don't really realize those things. That's a good thing, though. You know, I don't want my children to realize that as children. We don't want that for our children, do we? We want them to to have a childhood. We want them to be able to to grow and to learn and, and not have all those responsibilities that we have now. So how do we understand as young people that life, though, is exactly what we make of it? Life is what we make of it. And how do we understand as older people that life is what we make of it? That's a great question. Life is something that we take on every day. We face it every single day that we wake up in this world. Every day that we have breath in our lungs, we face life. And sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's harsh. Sometimes it's not something that we want to to have to put up with, but it is something that we do have to put up with. But you know what? Along with the bad comes so much of the beautiful. We need to try to remember that. Understanding that life is exactly what we make of it, how do we go about finding the answers to the questions that come with this thing we know as life? How can I find an answer to be able to grasp this precious time that has been given to me for almost 46 years? How do I How do I come to understand what I need to do with that time? And how do I explain that to other people? How can I help other people understand that? God has blessed me with some time. Can I make it count? Am I making it count? How can our young people find the answers to grasping precious time and making it count? Putting it to use. The time that God has blessed them with these precious teen years and early adulthood. Boy, don't some of us wish we could go back at least for just a little while and relive some of those times? Maybe not all of them. I don't want to have to go back and do it all over again, but I wouldn't mind having a day or two here or there during some of those times that I really enjoyed. You know, maybe, just maybe, the answer to finding out how do I determine, how do I grasp what I need to know. Maybe it's not in asking uh, or getting the answer. Maybe it's in asking the right question. That may be the thing that brings us to this great knowledge. One anonymous author wrote this. He said, Life is a mystery unfolded. Life is a struggle, face it. Life is beauty, praise it. Life is a puzzle, solve it. Life is opportunity. Take it. Life is sorrowful. Experience it. Life is a song. Sing it. Life is a goal. Achieve it. Life is a mission. Fulfill it. I think that's the right question. What is the mission? What is my life? Solomon said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Christ commanded the lawyer, He said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Matthew 22, 37. That's it. That's it, isn't it? 
That's our mission. Solomon was right. That's the whole of man. That's the whole of everyone. That's what our existence ought to encompass. We are to love God with our soul, with our hearts, and with our minds. James knew the right question. He said, for what is your life? I want us to notice something though. He said, what is your life? He didn't say, what's my life? What's your neighbor's life? What's your friend's life? He said, what's your life? Boy, that's a tough question. Maybe at first glance it doesn't seem that tough. But that sure is a big question. And that's one we must all answer. What is my life? What have I done in my life to make God pleased with me? What have I done in my life to make God proud of my actions? There was a man that lived in the long ago Publius Cyrus, a Latin writer of maxims. He was a Syrian who was brought as a slave to Italy. He found favor with his master because of his wit and his talent. And so his master freed him and educated the man. And he said this, When you were born, you cried and the world rejoiced. Live your life in such a way that when you die, the world cries and you rejoice. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? When we leave this life, are people going to be crying for us or are we going to have to be like the rich man and hire mourners to come and act like they're sad for us? Because he certainly didn't lift up his eyes being happy. He lifted up his eyes being in torments. We need to live so that those around us are sad for our absence, but happy for our gladness. William James said, The great use of life is to spend it for something that will outlast it. That's what Christ did with His physical life, wasn't it? He created something that has outlasted it. We need to ask the right questions in this life if we're going to find our way. We need someone to help us and to save us from our lostness, we might say. We need a little help along the way. You know, the, the problem the rich young ruler had, was even though he was wealthy materially, he had this big old hole right in the middle of his being spiritually. But one thing I must give to him, he knew enough to ask, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Mark ten seventeen. He was thinking in the right direction. Now, of course... We know he didn't take the Lord's advice on that or his commandments, but he was thinking in the right direction. When Michelangelo was a young boy, he came to a master sculptor asking him to train him in the sculpting arts. The, the master sculptor looked at young Angelo and he said, You don't know what you're asking. It'll take up your whole life. He said, What else is it for? We ought to be asking that of our God, shouldn't we? Well, Christianity will take up your whole life, boil and interfere with all the things you want to do. Well, what else is life for? We know what Solomon said. I don't know if, if you've ever noticed 
yet or have noticed yet in my preaching. I seldom use the word you in my preaching. I never did like to sit in the pew and have someone preach to me. I always wanted to sit in the pew and have someone preach a sermon that can help me in some way. So I don't like to use the word you a whole lot. I usually say we or us or or me or I or something of that nature. But I'm going to change up just a little bit today. I'm going to use the word you because that's what James said. James used the word you. But now I include myself in that. I've always included myself in a sermon that even those that I preach as someone that needs to take something out of it and apply it to his life. So even though I'm going to use the word you today, I want you to understand I'm including myself. But I want to make sure that each of us understands something. Our response to the Lord is a very individual response. It's not collective as far as our salvation is concerned. We individually give ourselves to God. Collectively, collectively we come together as a body of Christ to worship Him and to fulfill the commandments He's given us. But my relationship with God, my giving myself to Him, is a personal response. It is a you moment. This morning we need to answer the question, what is your life? What is your life? Well, if we're going to have a godly life, we must have persistence. Persistence. Boy, that's an ugly word. That means that we don't stop. That means that we keep going, even when we don't feel like it. That's I don't like that word sometimes. I don't like to have to be persistent all of the time. But if we're going to be pleasing to God, we must be persistent. And how do we go about doing that? I believe one of the most important things we need to be able to add to our character if we're going to be persistent is we need to understand when it's time to flee. We need to be able to get away from some things in this life. In a letter to Timothy, Paul told him, flee also... Youthful lust, 2 Timothy 2, 22, first part of that verse. Now I look at that statement just a little differently than I used to. I look at it more, uh, uh, not so much as someone teaching Timothy what he needs to do from a doctrinal position, which is what it is. But there's so much more to it than that. I now look at it as someone that cares enough and loves Timothy enough to instruct him on how to flee, how to be persistent, how to make God happy in this world. I don't just see godly instruction anymore. What is your life? Is it taking the time to do that which is right? Is it taking the time to help instruct a young man like Timothy, who, by the way, was about 40 years old? I like that now on how to flee useful lusts? What is, what's your life? Are you doing that in some way? What's your life? Is it a life of fleeing sin when the world comes calling? It better be, hadn't it? Is it a life that you're helping others do the same? It better be, hadn't it? And we don't have all the time in the world. All we have is right now. 
The only thing we are guaranteed is right now. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Not this evening. Today. Right now. We have to do that. Our time may end. Our time can come to an end. It is so short that James called it a vapor. It's just like a puff of steam. You see it for a moment, and now it's gone. Let me tell you someone who is persistent. That's never my intention to, to ever embarrass any of our members, but you know, Brother J.C. is persistent. He's persistent. He is not the only one of our membership that is persistent. We have a lot of people here that are persistent that could be at home right now if they chose to. And, and maybe if I felt like they did, I might be at home. But he's persistent. He's had a lot of bad news the past year. But you know what? Every time I call him up, he answers the phone and he gives me the advice I'm looking for. That's persistence. We've got a lot of people here like that. He wants to live because he understands the preciousness of life. Life is precious. Every drop of it. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be alive in this world. Now, we don't want to put this life in front of the eternal life, but there's nothing wrong with loving each other. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be here with each other. There's nothing wrong with not looking forward to losing that. That's okay. Life is precious. And we better love it and love each other. What a great example to all of us who know and love our brother. And the rest of us that are members of this congregation that are persisting in doing what God wants us to do. I want us to notice that Paul didn't just tell Timothy to flee, did he? He didn't just say, get away from those bad things in, in this life. He said, you better find something. Flee from the sin, but you better find something to replace it, right? He told him to live a life of righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. 2 Timothy 2.22, the last part of that verse. Don't just get away from the bad. Fill yourself up with the good. That's what God wants. Timothy had people who loved him enough to guide him in the right direction that God wanted him to go. Paul was reminded, he said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that, in, that is in thee also. 2 Timothy 2.15 Again, he had someone to love him enough. We've all had those people in our lives, haven't we? Now, it may not have been a mother or a father, I don't know. But someone brought us to the Lord. You know, I am so thankful for the father that I had that even when I misbehaved, he loved me and he still wanted me to do right in this world. And he would tell me that. He loved me enough to tell me when I was wrong. God said, or Paul said, even our earthly fathers chastise us. Shouldn't the Father of heaven chastises? Why should we feel offended at that? Timothy had someone like that. 
He didn't just have his mother and his father. He had Paul. Paul, someone who he was unrelated to. Someone that loved him, wanted to bring him to the Lord. See, we have to do that to our children. We have to bring them up. That's what Solomon said. Bring up your children in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Bring up a child and teach him in the best way that suits his personality how to become a follower of God. And if we train them hard and we put that in their minds, they won't forget it. Have you ever known someone that fell away from the Lord and maybe was gone for some time, but came back? Why? It sure wasn't because they didn't know. It was because someone that loved them planted that seed in their mind. And they came back. They never forgot it. They always knew what they needed to do, even when they weren't doing it. What is your life? Are you helping a family member? Are you helping a friend? Are you bringing someone to Christ? Are you helping someone find his way to the Lord? What's your life? It better be all those things, hadn't it? Many years ago, there was a fire in a well-known Chicago hotel. Way up on, the, on about the 10th floor, some people had gathered out onto the balcony because there was a fire in the hallways. They couldn't find a way out. Well, where they were at was no fire escape. It was just a balcony. And they were standing there and the, the flames were coming and they were a uh, uh, hundred feet up in the air. Where are they going to go? Well, finally, one young man, he said, I'm going to go find a way. So he went out and he braved the smoke He braved the flames and he found a fire escape. He came back and he got them and he said, I know the way. And followed them and all ten of them got out of that burning building. Having been interviewed, one of the the ladies there said, I can't tell you how proud and how happy and how overcome with joy I was when someone came into that situation and said, follow me, I know the way. Now we think about that in physical terms, don't we? We better think about it in spiritual terms. We know the way. Follow me. I know the way. Are we helping our young people? Are we helping our peers? Are we telling them, follow me, I know the way? We better be. You know, our opportunities to influence the young people in our lives are short-lived. Right? We have a window of opportunity. And we better take advantage of it. And that is with anybody that we meet in this life. What is your life? It better be a life of passion. We better love, hadn't we? We better be full of love and we better love those who are missing. A lot of missing people in the world. There are people in the world that are lost and nobody even knows it. They don't even know it. But they're lost. Jesus asked, He said, what man of you having an hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it? Luke 15, 4. Of course, in that context, he's talking about a member of the flock who goes missing. It's a member of the flock. But you know, lost is lost. It doesn't matter if you're a member of the flock or not. If you're lost, you're lost. We better go search that person out. That's why he would say later, before he ascended back to the Father, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Mark sixteen fifteen and 16. You're lost, you're lost. We've got to be found. What is your life? Is your life a life of 
passion for those who are missing? It better be. Ask yourself right now. How can I show my love for the missing? How can I do that? But I want to ask another question. Sometimes we don't do this. This is a hard one. How can I show my love for the missing if I'm missing? I can be missing and still be present. have to think about that, don't we? What's your life? Paul told those at Rome that the power of God unto salvation was the gospel. Romans 1.16 If it's going to be powerful in your life or the life of someone you love, they've got to hear about it. We've got to tell them. We can't just hope that they ask us a question. It first must be heard. It has to be processed through the mind. That's why Paul gave the plan of salvation. So faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. We have to ingest that. We have to digest it. And we have to understand what God wants us to do. Faith in the in God will lead one to repentance. We better do that. Acts 2, 37-38. Those people on... Pentecost, they wanted out of the nastiness of sin. They wanted to get away from that. And they asked Peter and the other men, what can we do? Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Can't receive the gift. Can't become a Christian unless you're baptized. Then confessing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, Acts 8.37, and realizing that He's the one that can lead us. He knows the way. Submitting to baptism for the remission of sins, Acts twenty two sixteen, And then, of course, living a faithful life, 2 Timothy 4, 6, 3. What's your life? Is it a life of obedience or a life of rebellion? Is it a life where you love your family so much that you do whatever is necessary to bring them to God? Even if that means obeying the gospel yourself so you can get to heaven and help someone else get there? You can't help someone get a job at a company normally unless you have a job at the company, right? Usually, that's how it works. We not only have to love the missing, but we also have to love those that do belong to the Master. Hey, we have to pay attention to faithful members too. Not just those who are not members. That's one of the greatest benefits of life, of being a Christian. The fellowship that we have with one another. Being able to lean upon each other who who have endured or may be enduring what I'm going through right now. Am I doing that? I, I often say and I tell people when I, when I speak with them, especially young people, I tell them, I say, one of these days you're going to sit across from a young man or a young woman that's going through something you're going to say, I know someone that went through that. And you'll extend the hand of help and they'll understand that you love them. Because we all endure life. We face it every day. We need someone to help guide and mentor us. That's why the Hebrews, or the writer of Hebrews said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For He is faithful that promised and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Hebrews 10, 23-24. Of course, 25 then tells us how we go about doing that. Come together when we're supposed to be coming together. Don't forsake the assembly. What is your life? Is it a life of encouraging and edifying those around you? Is that what's going on? So that you can live a physical life that is absent of sin, the best that we can have it to be? 
What's your life? Is it a persistent life? A life of passion? It has to be a life of pursuit. Well, what are we pursuing? You know, it's not possible to separate our physical lives from our spiritual lives. It's the action in our physical lives that direct our spiritual lives. How am I living? Have I been obedient? Am I, am I doing what God wants me to do? Have I obeyed the gospel? Have I put Him on in baptism? Am I living like a Christian ought to live? I can't separate the physical from the spiritual. I have to live in this physical world like Christ wants me to live so I can gain the spiritual one. But what are we pursuing? What are we pursuing? We need to have a pursuit of a life of peace, but most importantly, the Prince of Peace. We have to pursue Him. Jesus said, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. We have to pursue Him. He didn't say, I'm going to make you come to Me. He said, come to Me. Of our own free will, right? Come to Me. I'll give you rest. He's the only one that can offer that. No matter how bad it gets, we can count on Him. The Hebrews writer said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's what Jesus said. And He recorded that in Hebrews 13.5. Paul understood that Christ would never leave him when he was standing defending himself against the charges that Alexander the coppersmith leveled against him. He said at my first answer, no man stood with me. No one. But all men forsook me. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. 2 Timothy four sixteen and 17. He didn't have anybody in this world. Think about that. Have you ever felt like you didn't have anybody in this world? I know some people have. A lot of them end up taking their own lives because of that. I've seen that. It's not pretty. What kind of life am I leading to show someone else how to live like God wants them to live? What's your life? Is it a life of the pursuit of the Prince of Peace? Well, we better be pursuing people also. We better. A good friend of mine told me one time there is always a last person to see someone. Never really thought about it like that. There's always someone that sees that person last. Now think about that. Someone's a member of the congregation. They've been having a hard time. They're a little weak here and there. And then all of a sudden, you know, you you look around and you say, Well, I haven't seen so-and-so in a long time. Didn't even miss them. That's not what we want, is it? They might feel like they're the only person in the world that they have themselves. What kind of life is that? They may not understand, and evidently they probably wouldn't understand that Christ is with them. But see, they might need some help with that. There's always a last person to see someone. There's always a last Time to attend the services. There's always a last day, a last hour, a last minute in this world. We live in a finite world. It will come to an end. We have to pursue people because it is coming to an end. I read a long time ago about a young man that was was coming home from 
high school and, and he was depressed. He, he didn't have any friends. He didn't feel like he fit in, you know, and, and he was going to commit suicide. And as he was walking home, he had an armload of books and of course he had everything upon his mind and, and he dropped his books and he bent down to pick them up and, and another young man came by and he helped him pick those books up. And as they were walking on, the young man that had helped him said, why don't you come over to my house this evening? So he went home with him. They played some video games. He ate supper with him. It was the beginning of a lifelong friendship. And many years later, the young man told his friend, he said, you saved my life. He said, I was going home to kill myself. You showed me that there's love in the world. What's your life? Are we doing that? Sometimes the most simple of gestures mean the most to people. How are you doing today? Getting a card. Walking up and putting your arm around someone and looking at them in the eye and you may not even say anything. Well, you might say, I love you. It means a lot. What is your life? The wise man said, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Proverbs 18.24. That's where those simple gestures come in, doesn't it? He also said, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Proverbs 27.17. I'll tell you, I've got some good friends in this world. But one of my good friends, I don't have a better one than him. He and I go halfway around the world together sometimes. And we help each other. That way, if you fall down, you've got someone to help pick you up. Especially under trying circumstances. Solomon said, Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Proverbs 27, 9. It is of the greatest importance that we do that. What is your life? We need to ask ourselves that. What's my life? Because James is asking us, all of us, what are you doing? What are you, are you persistent? Are you passionate? Are you pursuing those things you ought to be pursuing? What is your life? Is it a life like Dorcas had? We remember her, don't we? They gathered around Dorcas when she died with great lamentation and crying because of all the good works she had done in this world. They remembered that and they hated to see her go. Ask the question today, the right question. What is your life? We better ask that. Am I in such a relationship with God that, that if Christ returned today, right now, within the next few minutes, time before you, you, before you have time to come up and say, look, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I want to be baptized for the remission of my sins. What if He comes back before that? Because He might. There's always a last time. We might just die. Because that's what people do. We live a life and then we go through that transition into eternity. What's your life? Can you answer yes to that question? Yes, I'm ready. Maybe you can answer yes to it because you've become unfaithful. That happens sometimes. Look, that happens. Sometimes new Christians become unfaithful because they go through growing pains, right? 
They're not understanding very much, and they just it's overwhelming sometimes. They need a little help. Sometimes people that have been Christians for years and years leave the church because of whatever reason. Look, we can't say, yes, I'm ready, when we're in that position. If you find yourself in, in either one of those positions, am I ready? Maybe you've never obeyed the gospel to do that today. Be in a covenant relationship with God. Maybe you have and you've become unfaithful. Come back to the Lord. Sleep good tonight, if we have tonight. But answer that question as we stand and as we sing.